Hello and welcome to the Pharma Forum podcast. I'm your host, Jonah Comstock, Editor-in-Chief at Pharma Forum. I'm joined today by Dr. Benny Aloof, Chief Medical Officer at Limbix. Welcome to the show, Dr. Benny. Thank you, Jonah. I appreciate being invited. So I understand that Limbix uh, makes a digital therapeutic called SparkRx for the treatment of depression in teens, um, and that that is uh, currently available in clinic in several children's hospitals under the FDA's enforcement policy. Um, tell us a little bit about uh, how that works and, um, and uh, how you're out there in the market right now. Um, so we, uh, in, in October of 2021, uh, we launched SparkRx for adolescent depression, a uh, digital therapeutic uh, for uh, adolescent depression under that under that enforcement policy. So we're not uh, we're not cleared by by the FDA. We are working currently on um, launching an internal pivotal trial, the data of which will be submitted to the FDA um, for potential uh, clearance as a uh, software as a medical device. So hopefully by the time the enforcement period, uh, enforcement discretion period wears off, you'll be sort of ready to go. Um, uh, correct. So uh, we're, right now there is a draft transition plan uh, that was published by the uh, FDA. We have commented on it um, and uh, it hasn't been finalized yet. As long as there is a public health emergency, which we're going to hear about more this Friday the 15th, in terms of an extension, um, you know, pretty much that enforcement policy uh, continues. Uh, and also, we have several children's hospitals that we're working with uh, through different pilot studies uh, doing um, treatment uh, with SparkRx for patients either in the general population or in some of the subspecialty clinics such as cardiology, weight management, uh, oncology. We also have under the enforcement policy uh, distributed uh, to many providers throughout the country. Uh, Nationally, we have uh, over 100 uh, providers using SparkRx for for the teens that they see in their office. Uh, We have over 300 uh, kids that have already signed up um, to be uh, you know, to be treated with this digital therapeutic uh, for um, for their behavioral health. So, tell me more about the the digital therapeutic. The, you know, what is what does it look like? What's um, yeah? How, what's the what are the principles that it's that it's built on, and what's the experience like for the patient? Sure, I, w- I would love to. So, just by way of background, the important first important thing to recognize is that digital therapeutics um, are very specific. Um, they are uh, specifically FDA evaluated, regulated, they're shown to be safe and effective, um, and they can make claims that they either prevent, treat, or mitigate a specific condition. And that sets them apart. And right now, there may be a dozen or so uh, on the market. And that sets them uh, apart from, and I just read this morning in, a, in an article, approximately 350,000 uh, other wellness and health apps that are out there on the app store, and apparently 250 new ones uh, being added every day. Um, and what sets them apart is, as I mentioned earlier, they are they are truly tested 
they have to pass randomized controlled trials and they have to be reviewed and they are under strict regulation of the FDA. And what they do is they have specific uh, active ingredients in them, much like a medication would, and they're treated as uh, devices. So they're otherwise known as software as a medical device. What SparkRx does is a, it's a five level, seven week program that uh, takes what a patient would undergo in terms of the treatment plan with a therapist and translates it into a digital program that a patient can use in their hand at their convenience. So right now there is a major access issue to getting face-to-face -face definitive psychotherapy. And this allows patients to immediately get started on a cognitive behavioral therapy program to assist them through the treatment of their depression. Now, I know one of the kind of big, I, not necessarily criticisms, but questions that comes up when you start to talk about this is, you know, is this meant to be a substitute for therapy? How does this interact with person-to-person -person therapy? Um, it, and and I, I think it's important to kind of understand that distinction. So so right now, like what, what can an app do? When does a person need to step in? Yeah, so... Um... I'm I'm a practice I'm not a practicing pediatrician I'm a but I'm a board certified pediatrician I haven't practiced in a few years but I did spend 15 years uh, in clinical practice and I during that time I saw the transition uh, of healthcare moving a bit away from the direct provider care especially in primary care there was a lot of introduction of uh, uh, digital components to the care that physicians were providing in their office. It was the introduction of electronic medical records. Um, uh, urgent care centers were starting to pop up, and a lot of them were appealing to, um, to pediatrics. And there was a, you know, pediatricians and primary care providers really felt a bit under threat that they're being replaced. The goal and the design of, of the digital therapeutic is not to replace the provider, but to be an adjunct to therapy that they are providing. Uh, it's meant to complement what they're already doing. And that could be anything. So for instance, if a pediatrician sees a child in their office and screens them for depression, which is something that's part of the guidelines um, during the adolescent years, and find that the child has depressive symptoms, they, they have several options. There's a guidelines for adolescent depression in the primary care setting that walks them through the training of that. They can give supportive counseling. They can refer them to services in the community. They can, and depending on severity, they can, if they opt to start them on medication, they can uh, also provide them with um, referrals to psychologists and psychiatrists. But we know that that's very difficult. There's, there are not a lot of uh, pediatric trained providers out there. So these pediatricians can use SparkRx uh, as a bridge to that therapy, and they can initiate it right there. And that means that they can continue doing what they're doing. They continue their referral. They can continue providing their own therapy, their own supportive uh, guidance, and use that in the same vein. What's interesting is after we launched it commercially, about a quarter of the docs that have signed up for, with us, or, or I should say therapists, not, not docs, but uh, therapists, have been... Um, LCSWs, licensed clinical social workers, uh, psychologists, and other folks who see kids 
and are integrating the digital therapeutic SparkRx into their treatment. And by, by having it be a digital treatment that they, the therapist, can actually use themselves and see how it works, they can then work directly with their patient through each one of those levels and each one of those modules that uses behavioral activation to teach them how behavior affects mood and mood affects behavior and how they can reverse that trend of sometimes when you're not, you know, when you're depressed, you engage in activities that are kind of an avoidance pattern and how to turn that around and replace them with, with alternative coping behaviors to improve your mood. So these mood disorders, major depressive disorder, um, obviously affects the people of all ages. Why is it important to have a sort of bespoke product for teens uh, rather than just building a digital therapeutic that addresses the condition for anybody? Right. Uh, so, you know, the first thing you learn in pediatric residency is that children are not little adults. <laughs> they, uh, they, they obviously go through different developmental stages. And through the adolescent years, it's a very specific, um, you know, stage of that development. And a product that would work on a 30-year-old or conversely on an 8-year-old is not the same as what would work on a 13 or 17 or 18-year-old. And specifically, uh, behavioral therapy of the cognitive behavioral therapy has been shown to be effective in treating depression and also anxiety and other psychiatric conditions uh, and behavioral health conditions in that age group. So translating it into a digital solution that they can use anytime at any place in conjunction with therapy and support they're getting either in the community, through their pediatrician, through their family practitioner, through a counselor, you know, that it, it just fits perfectly that way. So let's take a step back and talk a little more about the landscape that you guys are working in. Um, do you see a lot of, of digital therapeutics coming into the, the market in, in, um, in this kind of mental health space? Or do you, do you find that, you know, you're still sort of a pioneer in this space? And how has it, how has it changed since you've been working at SparkRx? Or on SparkRx. So, um, so I've only been here a year, and I've learned a lot. Uh, as I joke around with people, uh, a year ago I didn't even know how to spell PDT, <laughs> so uh, or prescription digital therapeutics. So I'm learning a lot, and it's all very interesting for me because, as a clinician, we didn't have any tool that can definitively be given to a patient that I know that they're going to start using in my office that I have used myself and I can understand how it interacts and how it affects the patient. And that I can actually, one of these, uh, the, the benefits of these therapeutics is that I can actually get a um, report from the device as to how the patient is doing clinically and how they're engaging with the product. So as a clinician, I wish I had something like this. Uh, and, and although a lot of these things were being in the thought process, they didn't exist. After I worked clinically, I worked for a health plan. As a health plan medical director, I got pitched a lot of these uh, products as well. So I learned a lot more about them at that point and what they're capable uh, of doing and not doing. And there are, you know, as I said earlier, there are a lot of these coming to market. A lot of them are the behavioral health space because that's where there's a great deal of demand, not just in uh, treating direct, uh, you know, behavioral health conditions, but also uh, 
being very specific to behavioral health conditions in and how they affect chronic conditions. So in, in other words, treating um, you know diabetes, type two diabetes, or or uh, or opioid addiction, or um, you know uh, obesity, or things like that, or uh, you know other irritable bowel syndrome. I'm just trying to think of some out loud. Uh, how to use these digital devices to treat these specific medical conditions, not just to treat behavioral health, uh, but to also help them in the treatment of comorbid conditions. Um, and what we're learning is that there are a lot of products out there, but the question is what's going to get approved by, uh, or what's going to get, uh, go through FDA regulatory process. Who's going to be the one in market that uh, can commercialize and also right now there are no there's no product category for it uh, for digital therapeutics so there's no pathway to reimbursement and that's yet another challenge that right now um, you can't just put a product on the market get a code for it and then there's a specific fee schedule for it and get reimbursed so those are you know some of the challenges it's it's the regulatory process it's separating uh, those products that have gone through that rigor versus those that have not and then getting these to market in a way that they can get uh, reimbursed. For. Yeah, that's that's interesting. I mean, are we seeing progress on that reimbursement front in terms of, of their you know, systems level, um, more recognition, more kind of um, attitude towards you know, let's create a pathway for this? Uh, yes to no. <laughs> I don't like that. I never, I never like when somebody gives me that answer, but the answer is yes to no. I mean, uh, it, it, you know, so providers want this, uh, the, the, the patients want this, uh, the, the society needs it. We, we need to have something that, you know, we talk about uh, in, in all the policies that are coming out now from uh, the administration, through legislation, uh, you, you hear about the State of the Union address uh, from President Biden. You hear about, um, you, know, from, you know, from everybody. We need to develop solutions to behavioral health crisis. Uh, the solutions require an expansion of available resources, but the expansion through things like expanding the workforce or uh, access to telehealth. Those are all great, great solutions. And, and that's wonderful. But the truth is that to develop an, an expanding workforce of therapists takes years. Um, telehealth is wonderful. Uh, you know, I, we were doing, as a pediatrician, we were doing telehealth decades ago. We, you know, uh, Barton Schmidt came out with guidelines, I think it was about 25 years ago, uh, for doing telehealth uh, for pediatrics. It's now finally getting reimbursed, right? Uh, because it's being recognized as a as a solution, but it's still not scalable. You're still having the finite number of therapists giving uh, treatment in different situations in different venues. Digital therapeutics actually are able to be scaled infinitely, and they uh, can be used as adjunct therapy. They can be used for therapy as a patient is waiting to see a therapist. They can be used as treatment in between uh, appointments. Um, but unfortunately, uh, there are payers out there who have come out with statements saying that they will not reimburse it. Um, they don't feel like it's been studied enough. And, you know, that's, that's their decision. We are working uh, with 
uh, legislation to include digital therapeutics in mental health bills and even as standalone bills as product categories so they can be on the path to reimbursement. It's going to take time. It's very new. Uh, providers, uh, lawmakers, health plan, medical directors, there's a lot of education involved. And when you say, and there's no, nobody that I've ever spoken to has ever said this is a bad idea. Um, you know, uh, it's a great idea and it works and we know that, but you know, uh, it's, it's getting, it's getting paid for it. Um, fortunately we're able to, uh, provide spark RX and no cost to patient or providers currently under the enforcement policy. And, and we're very happy to do that because we believe as a company that we need to, you know, the service is needed and, and, and we're, you know, it's, it's our mission to provide that service. But of course, eventually um, there needs to be a reimbursement stream. So we talked a little bit about the relationship between digital therapeutics and, and talk therapy. What about uh, between traditional pharma therapeutics? I know, you know, obviously huge business in the in the mood disorders um, that you know, we as a as a world prescribe a lot of uh, of uh, psychiatric drugs there. I mean, is this potentially a substitute in, in some cases? Is it all, all ad- additive like it is with um, with therapy? Yeah. So again, it could be an adjunct to this. We would never say that you should do this instead of pharmacotherapy. If your provider feels and and the decision between you and your provider is that pharmacotherapy would, would benefit you, then that's, that's the decision. Um, but this can enhance that. This can uh, help the cognitive behavioral therapy component with the pharmacotherapy. We know that pharmacotherapy works, cognitive behavioral therapy works. Together, they work more than the individual components. So the sum of those two work more than the parts. So together, they can be uh, quite additive. And again, it's up to the provider. It's up to the patient. Some folks, I mean, this is what I've heard. It's not our recommend, you know, necessarily what we tell people, but what we've heard is, hey, I, I want to use this before I start medication. Okay, if that's what you and your, you know, your clinician feel that that's appropriate, then great. You know, they they feel that it is safer, and you know, it's it's you know worth a try if it, uh, avoid uh, using medications, which you know they have side effects, and and not everybody is comfortable using them, especially in the pediatric population. Right. Um, so we're getting to the end of our time. Uh, just a couple of questions um, to, to wrap up for you. One is what's what's the roadmap for you guys? What's coming up for uh, for uh, Lim- Limbix and, and SparkRx? Uh, we continue to work with health plans um, on providing uh, SparkRx as a solution to their members. We continue to work with large health systems uh, to offer SparkRx to their patients. Um, and, you know, our North Star, so to speak, is to submit for, uh, you know, FDA clearance and to get it FDA cleared so we can put it on the market as the software as a medical device. And then, of course, we're developing a pipeline of additional therapeutics. We're, we're not, this isn't going to be a one and done. Our, our mission is to create, uh, you know, a platform of uh, digital therapeutics for, uh, you know, mental health conditions, behavioral health conditions uh, for young for young people that span, you know, depression, anxiety, um, you know, a lot of teens have uh, sleeping disorders, you know, eating disorders, et cetera. 
Uh, we started with depression because that was most prevalent, uh, but we're continuing to develop out a pipeline of additional um, treatments. Awesome. Uh, well, I think that that should do it for me. Thanks so much. Any other parting thoughts, any final um, things you want to mention that you haven't uh, had a chance to yet or anything? No, I really appreciate it. Um, you know, uh, anybody is more than welcome to hop on our website and ask us for additional information. Uh, we get a lot of requests from parents. We get requests from providers. Um, we're more than happy to educate folks about this because, you know, in, in five or 10 years, this is just going to be part of a treatment paradigm uh, for a lot of different conditions, be it mental health, chronic disease. Uh, and I think it's important for people to to learn about it, to educate themselves about it, and to understand it. So thank awesome. you for having me. Yeah, thanks so much. Great, uh, great chatting with you. That concludes this episode of the Pharma Forum podcast. You can find more information about this episode, including a download link and information about other installments in the series at pharmaforum.com slash podcast. The Pharma Forum podcast is also available on iTunes, Spotify, Acast, Stitcher, and Podme, where you can find and subscribe by searching for Pharma Forum. And don't forget to visit our website, where you can sign up for daily news and analysis bulletins, and to follow us on Twitter at at Pharma Forum. Thanks for listening. Thank you.